Chris Lee and Blake Lovell of Southeastern 14 here to react to basketball games of Wednesday night, January the 31st, of which there were four games. We'll talk about Alabama's win over Georgia. We will discuss Auburn's win over Vanderbilt, as well as Florida's road victory at Rupp Arena and Arkansas's road win at Missouri. Before we get into that, a reminder, this is brought to you by Bet Online. It is playoff time. The road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today. Stay updated on all the action. Bet Online. The game starts here. Blake Lovell, the game started, the games started last night in Athens, Georgia, where we got a really thrilling game for the most part between Georgia and Alabama. Alabama, we have talked incessantly about the Tide's ability to get points from five or six different guys who can carry the offense on any given night. Last night down the stretch, it was Grant Nelson and Mark Sears who just turned it on late. On the Georgia end of things, I still continue to really like this team. It's a quality club. Mike White's doing a terrific job, but boy, it almost feels like the last thing you want if you're Georgia is a double-digit lead over anybody at this point. Well, I mean, you definitely don't – against Alabama, I think it's a little different because it's just kind of, you know, I mean, Alabama – I told you guys – well, I texted you guys that this was – 10 minutes into the game, I'm like, Alabama's going to cut back. Like, it's it's just Alabama. Right. It's just it's what they do. And at some point they just keep doing what they do. And that's just finding ways to outscore teams. And they just go on a, a flurry offensively. And I mean, that's just, you know, look, it goes back to the same thing as that Georgia doesn't have that same gear that Alabama has offensively. Right. So if you're playing in a game like this and you just know Alabama is going to eventually make the run and, mm-hmm. and they did. And you, you called that on a group chat too. You said, here it comes. I did. I didn't see it, but you saw something there that I didn't. Well, it's just when Georgia's, they just weren't, they weren't getting enough. They weren't getting ahead enough. Right. It's like, even if you start the game the way you did still, I mean, that's a long game after that point. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, you get up 17 to two or whatever with 12 minutes to go in the first half. Now, again, Think about every game that's been played out to this point. How many games have we seen Alabama score two points in eight minutes? Zero. So you know that's not going to continue. They're going to eventually make their run. They did. Like even, what, I mean, it was 14 at half. They got it down to nine, like four minutes left in the first half. And even at that point, I'm still thinking, yeah. I mean, all Alabama has to do is make their signature run and I don't know if Georgia offensively will be able to to get enough to to withstand that. And they and they couldn't. Um, and by the way, I'd like to say you're welcome, Alabama fans, because me picking Georgia, the only path you had to victory was me picking <laughs> Georgia after you two picked Alabama. So uh, I, I am, again, starting to understand the weight that this holds here uh, with the, yes. the, the pick. But, yeah, I mean – I, I don't have a lot to to go on other than just the same thing I've kind of said. I mean, Georgia turned it over way too much. You can't have 19 turnovers and expect to beat Alabama. Um, again, because you're giving away offensive opportunities, and you just can't do that against a team that you know is going to 
find the amount. I mean, to, to add to the last point, Alabama scored 85 points. They had two. Eight that's that's 83 game. points in 32 minutes. Yeah. So there you go. Right. So that tells the story to me. Like yeah. that just, that's what they have that other teams don't have. And, you know, 65% from two, only shot 35% from three, didn't beat themselves with a lot of turnovers. That's something we pointed out at times. We're like, hey, you know, they got to clean up some of those sloppy turnovers. You know, early it wasn't looking good, but like they, they kept themselves under control. And yeah, I mean, it's the same cast of characters. Your guy, Grant Nelson, steps up with a big game. We've seen that as a trend. You know, Mark Sears turned it on. Estrada, Griffin. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's the same story for Alabama. Yeah. What did you take away from the Georgia side? I mean, we talked about the blown lead, but I continue to like this team. What 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 did you – anything meaningful and different that you walked away from with Georgia after this one? I mean, I, I think it's just going to be the same thing. Where like their defense is pretty good. Now, I know they gave up 102 to Florida, 85 to Alabama. But like I said, I think the circumstances of those two – and I know they gave up 105 to Kentucky. But I tend to think, though, still, I think their their strength's going to be defensively, but they're just not going to be able to, when you run into some of these really good offensive teams like this, right? Because you look at the teams they've beaten in SEC play. They've beaten Missouri, Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU. I mean, we've said, right? I mean, South Carolina's a good team offensively, but they're not probably to the level of, you know, yeah. they're not to the level of Kentucky. They're, they're, they're bottom the half level. of the league offensive team. I mean, but, but that's also right. a tough, it's a tough, it's a good league for offense this year. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like, if you just look at the offensive numbers, I know I just said something that will, someone will comment on. I understand about, I said, South Carolina is not as good offensively as Kentucky, but the point is the numbers is what you look at here. When you, you look at just, you know, the efficiency numbers and all that Kentucky, Alabama, I mean, Florida, based on what we'll talk about here in a minute, they're still, you know, steps above a lot of teams offensively, and even Tennessee to a certain extent. Obviously, we're going to get South Carolina either. That's the difference. Everybody's good offensively until they play South Carolina. Um, but I just don't know if if Georgia can get to that next, you know, tier unless they just sort of pack a little bit more of a punch offensively on a consistent basis. and. I think again, you know, their defense has struggled against some of the the top tier offensive teams. So I, I don't know. This is kind of a, a weird spot for Georgia right now. They're four and four. Um, you know, they play get the rematch against South Carolina on Saturday, a team they already beat on the road, playing as well as anybody right now. And then you got, you know, three or next four on the road, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. So this is kind of that make or break point of the season for Georgia now after feeling like you had two opportunities against Alabama and Tennessee to where two home games. We always say anytime you give up a home game in the SEC, yeah. <laughs> you're asking for trouble no matter who it is, right? Which we'll talk about Tennessee when we preview the Kentucky game, just losing a, a home game to South Carolina. That could be significant for Tennessee. So the fact that they they felt like they had their chances against both of those two teams and just were not able to find a way to win it, um, I'm curious to see, you know, Mike White and kind of how they they navigate this next little stretch here because this is a, a very important spot for them if they want to try to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Okay, I, I feel like a little bit of a similar script. High scoring game, exciting to watch, <laughs> and, and and teams losing home games that you can't really afford to lose. I look when Kentucky's involved in a basketball game. Kentucky is always kind of the story, but I thought the story here was Florida just went to Lexington and, and took one. Uh, look, Max called out Zion pulling as his guy a long time ago. The more I watch that kid play, he's amazing. I mean, he just is so smooth with the ball. Walter Clayton had a game. Tyree Samuel goes for 22 and 13. Just just a fun game to watch. You know, I think for Kentucky, they lost. They got Reed Shepard involved again, which that was something I thought Kentucky needed to have going forward. In fact, he played 45 minutes last night. Uh, but I think it's a little concerning to me. I'm probably overreacting. I would have thought if they got that kind of game out of Shepard, they would have won. I'm not going to say convincingly, but maybe maybe six to ten points. But I think this really says more about Florida than it says anything. Do you agree with that? I think so. Um, because here's the deal. I, I'll repeat exactly what I said. And people are like, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't pick Florida, you didn't give Florida a chance. I didn't say Florida didn't have a chance, but I didn't pick Florida because I said I want to see them win one of these games. And they haven't in a long time until now. Like now is finally the point, I think, for Florida going on the road, beating a team like this. We we had said that was the biggest knock in the Todd Golden era so far, is that they had just not accumulated yeah. a lot of great wins. At, I mean, one, really just one, if you go back to the Tennessee game last year. Um, but that was about it. I mean, again, the Mississippi State win, that was a good win. But, like, these are these are the type of wins that take you to the next level, like winning at Kentucky. Yeah. And so the fact that they proved they could do it, and now they've won back-to-back overtime games, again, that builds up some confidence now. You're on a four-game winning streak. You win back-to-back overtime games, one in a – you know, one of the most hostile environments you're going to play in all season that can do something for a team. And, you know, like we said, the thing with Florida is like offensively they they have it. Like, and we said that from the start early in the season, we said Florida's going to be the team that we look up and say, they're the, they're the sleeper team. They're the surprise team that maybe has a chance to win the SEC or something. It's going to be because of how good their guards are. And it's going to be because Tyree Samuel steps up and just, you know, plays like an absolute man at times. I mean, he is just, he's a beast. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's the pull and it's Walter Clayton. Uh, it's guys being able to step up when other guys aren't hitting shots. And so, I mean, just think about like everything we've talked about with Florida. We were thinking that one of the reasons Florida was going to be that potential SEC title type sleeper was because they were going to have a potential first team all SEC player in Riley Kugel. And I mean, mm. you know, they numbers won't. wise, he's he's not scoring to anywhere near the level that we probably thought he was. Now he's still playing a a significant role on this team, but like he's not he's not the guy that you know we thought that Florida was going to have to turn to in every single one of these situations if they were going to be able to win. They got other guys, right? It's they got Zion yes. and they got Walter Clayton, they got Will Richard stepping up and hitting shots. I mean, what Clayton scored double figures in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight, nine straight games. Um, I mean, he's really scoring double figures every, all but three games a season. So it's like, that's, that's your difference. It's someone like that. It's the addition of Zion Pullen. Like we said, we can all play the what if game, but 
he's also scored in double figures in every single game he's played in the season. Yeah. Who knows that they probably win the Virginia game. If he plays, I don't feel mm. bad about saying that at all. So all those things to say that, like, to me, this was kind of the defining game for Florida, because remember I said it too. I'm like, I'm not going to pick Florida to win this game, but you know what? That was a real close game last time. They, they should have beat Kentucky in Gainesville, uh, but they just got cold from three. They weren't able to make shots. Kentucky made the plays down the stretch. What happened here? I said, you look at Florida, how's the three-point shooting going to go? They go 12 of 28. And of course, the, the big one to send it to overtime was significant. Yeah. Um, but if you go 12 of 28 on the road in the SEC from three, you got a good chance. And they took advantage of those opportunities. Um, you know, they out-rebounded Kentucky at 17 offensive rebounds. Uh, they only, I always say, you can't beat yourself. They only had nine turnovers. And so, yeah, this was a tremendous performance from Florida. And they absolutely earned the win. There's no doubt about it. On the Kentucky side, I mean, you know, you're without DJ Wagner. You're without Justin Edwards. I know Edwards hasn't played up to the expectations that most people thought, but you are still taking two guys out of the mix that were factored into the rotation for Cal. I mean, you know, DJ Wagner's coming off of 35 minutes against Arkansas, 30 minutes against South Carolina, 29, 26, and so forth. I mean, he's one of your top minutes guys on the roster, so he doesn't play. Um, and like you said, that forces – Reed Shepard into playing 45 minutes. Mitchell plays 38. Reeves plays 37. Dillingham plays 39. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much roll with five guys. Now, the arrow's there at 15 um, and all that. But, excuse me, Onyenso played 33 uh, as well. So, uh, Onyenso I mean, also blocked eight shots. That would be right. talked about a lot and pulled 16. And, I mean, that's how good 13, Florida 16, was. We're not eight. even talking about that. And, and yeah, Reed Shepard's line. Yeah, I mean, when this was speaking of, we'll get to fantasy basketball. This was a fantasy basketball player's dream <laughs> stat game for a lot of people. But anyway, yeah. carry on. I'd like Onyenso to replace uh, one of my guys in particular, but we'll get to that in a second. I think um, that is forbidden. Well, we'll ask the commissioner when he's back. But I, yeah, meanwhile, Trey Mitchell it didn't give me any fantasy points here really at all. But And that's a shock. He's been so consistent. Well, I mean, look, I drafted him. It was inevitable uh, that he was going to have a bad game because of that. But I don't know, man. I Look, I know what you're going to say, and I know what everyone's saying about Kentucky defensively now. I mean, it, it's hard to ignore uh, when you look at a game like this. And But you know, that's, that's what's going to be the, the thing that separates you. If you're going to make a run, you're going to have to beat good offensive teams. And, mm. you know, Florida is one of the best offensive teams out there from a number standpoint, like we see that they were able to, they were able to find a way to beat them the last time. Um, but they just couldn't find a way this time. Like we said, it Florida hit big shots. And I just, I felt when that game went to overtime, they hit the big three. I'm like all the momentum's in Florida's favor here. And, you know, again, they, they found a way to, to make plays. Kentucky still hit 10 threes. So you get to combine 22 threes from these two teams. Um, but yeah, just, just wasn't enough for Kentucky. Those are, Look, those are the kind of games for Kentucky I think you got to win. Like, you just – you got to find a way to win those games if you're going to put yourself in a position to, again, be a team that can go far and and feel like you're moving in the right direction in certain areas that maybe you've not been as good at. But there were still some defensive things in this game, obviously, um, that were not that great. <laughs> and, you know, sure, like we can play the what-if game if Wagner plays and all that. But, 
it, it, it doesn't really, it's not really, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Like Florida got the win and that's what the Gators needed. And now you're Kentucky. We talk about, you don't, I said to somebody yesterday, like Memphis, right? Um, you know, Memphis, it's like one loss turns into two losses, turns into three losses, turns into like you just start to go on a, a bit of a, a spin here. And, you know, Kentucky got blown out at South Carolina, played well enough to win at Arkansas. Um, still a little lacking, I think, in terms of probably what Kentucky fans expected for performance-wise. Now you come back home and lose an overtime game to Florida. Now you got to host an angry Tennessee team on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, you don't you don't want to let, like I said, one loss turn into losing three or four or losing back to back games, but it's kind of the spot Kentucky's in. So we'll we'll see if you know Wagner's good to go and all that. But this was yeah, it's a huge win for Florida. We've talked about similar teams in the league. We've compared Kentucky and Alabama. I think Kentucky and Florida kind of lump into that same conversation. Not not great in terms of deficient defensive efficiency offensively. Both top teams in the country. Both teams can get points from a lot of places. This is the second time this week, Blake, we've seen a team go into somebody else's building in this league as an underdog and, and pull a bit of a stunner doing to a team, beating a team in the way that that team at home usually beats other teams. South Carolina did it to Tennessee by just kind of bullying Tennessee around and taking out of its game, and, and now Florida goes to Rupp and just wins a scoring match. Well, and that's why, look, I, I know we talk about defensively, but that's why I still think teams like Kentucky, Alabama, and Florida all have a lot mm-hmm. of upside because they're just – they are so good at times offensively that it's like, man, I, you know, they're, they're probably still going to have a chance, uh, even in games yeah. where maybe they struggle a little bit on the defensive side. And I will say, I think Alabama is is the most improved of the group defensively. Um, but – I just think, yeah, that they, you know, the defensive lapses, those kind of things. And especially when you're down a couple players, like, again, you don't have the same rotation. Um, you got guys who are playing that many minutes. It's going to happen. And I think that was something that, that really just kind of played out that way. So, um, and I know Cal talked about it and I know Florida fans will, will have their fun with, you know, excuses and all that, but you know, that's kind of what Cal said, right? He's, I think he said the quote was, in a game like this, you need a full roster. We didn't have one. Um, that was the quote. Now, again, you can pick that apart however you want, but it was something where you get in an overtime game and you have a team already that's not perfect defensively. What happens, Chris, is that game goes along. You get guys that maybe get heavy legs a little bit and you start making some of those same mistakes on the defensive end that you've made before. Um, and, yeah, I just... We'll see. Uh, we'll see how Kentucky moves forward, but still a team that that has things to fix, and um, I just think they've got to, you know, they've got to fix some of those areas. But I'm also just as intrigued now to see what we get from Florida moving forward. Because guess what? Guess what can happen after a game like this? You're on top of the world, right? Where do they got to go on Saturday? Play a team that's just no fun to play against. It's no fun to play at Texas A&M, uh, mm-hmm. and so I want to see if Florida can kind of keep that same momentum going because this we said it this was a huge stretch for florida mississippi state georgia kentucky a&m auburn a five-game stretch here kentucky, or florida's won three of those so far if they were to go four and one or something like that in the stretch maybe five and oh i mean the gators are they're sitting pretty but we'll see how they build on this one i, I want to circle back to something you said about five minutes ago and, and just sort of illustrate it further you mentioned riley kugel we thought he'd be maybe the star that this team 
would build around. He's not scored in double figures now four straight games. Florida's won them all anyway, got 94 points last night. Number two, last night, the stat line's here. Samuel goes for 22 and 13, blocks four shots. Clayton goes for 23. Uh, Pullen goes for 21 and seven assists and two steals. We we talked about Kugel, but it's more than that. I mean, Will Richard, what was it? A, a couple of games ago went, let me, let me look this up. He went, okay, against Georgia two games ago, 18 points. Game before that, Mississippi, Mississippi State, 23 points. That's another guy that can give you big output that you didn't get it from him statistically last night. Again, they get 94 points at Rupp anyway. Micah Hanlogton, 23 and 17. What was it, two days ago? I mean, the more that I talk through this, the more I really love this team. Does it have to tighten the defense up? Yes. But like, how many how many teams in the country have guys that can go for nights like that in a given night? I mean, I, I can't think there's more than – 10 teams that can do that. And that's probably a high number. Yeah. I mean, look, once again, it's, it's a team that sort of went out and, and found a way to get older guys. And that's what we kind of said. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about. Like if you're looking for ways to pick apart Kentucky, they've got a couple older guys, but they don't have many. Whereas Samuels played a lot of basketball. Pullen's played a lot of basketball. Clayton, you know, playing on an Iona team that we know uh, was as good as it was under Rick Pitino, like, you know, played a lot of basketball, important basketball. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's it. And, you know, Will Richard has played in important games, you know, going back to last year, now this year. And so it's just having all those different options. uh, And again, I look, I would not have predicted it that that, that Florida would be sitting here in the spot right now, you know, kind of where they are seemingly in a pretty good spot at five and three in the sec 15 and six. Winners of four straight, five of six. Had Riley Kugel not, you know, been a factor as much. And yet, like you said, they're still sitting here in the spot. And that just speaks to, I think, the overall roster that that Todd Golden built. And I think they do a really good job player development-wise. I mean, I think it's pretty clear when you look at some of these guys and how they've developed this season uh, on this roster. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's just uh, the biggest win of the Todd Golden era so far for the Gators. And let's see if they turn this into to something more. So, Arkansas, Arkansas, <laughs> what was that? Arkansas, Arkansas, goes Missouri. Arkansas. That, that's what it's felt like at times. Mm. I, I don't even know what I'm watching. Arkansas, Arkansas. Last night was more like Arkansas. But before I get into the game, I just want your quick take. We have not talked about this. Was last night more about Missouri just being a bad team, or? Maybe Arkansas maybe finally starting to figure something out and then the addition by subtraction sort of way. <laughs> I don't know. You're not buying it, are you? I, I just don't know with these two teams. I don't know what to say. I I really don't. Um I tried Arkansas. I really well did. look, I mean I, I thought Arkansas- I could just put it up there on a T and you'd be like, Yeah, I like what Minifield gave them and they got talent and Nah. This might be this, and then you're like, nope. I you just, how do you know, right? We thought I, that after the A and M game, yeah. like, I mean, I we thought, thought that was a turning point. Well, yeah, I mean, we we thought there's been a lot of games that are turning points. So rather than me just take one game, let me wait till they do it a couple times in a row, and then we'll we can revisit that conversation. They go to LSU on Saturday, 
who's had a week off. And so we'll see uh, how that unfolds for the for the Hogs. But I mean, look, if you're looking at how the game played out, they're up 23. I mean, they're what, 57, 34, 17 minutes left in the second half. So they they clearly came to play. Yeah. I mean, they, they they did things very well. And you know, it was kind of a performance where to put up 47 points, basically be up, what, 19 and a half. Yes, there, there's a lot of positive you can take away from that if you're an Arkansas fan, for sure. Because you've been needing anything to lean on. Like, it doesn't matter how positive. It just give me anything positive to work with here. And so there, there were things that, that you can definitely work with, I think, coming out of this game. It's just the same question. It's, is it consistent? Is it, is Eric Musselman, there's, I can't imagine Eric Musselman is confident that what he got in this game is exactly what he's going to get in the next game or the game after that, because that's been the trend this season is that they just have not gotten it consistently. Uh, but yes, you mentioned all the guys. Hey, great performances from, Mark from Mitchell, Menifield, Graham, like yeah, I thought everyone played well, pretty much <laughs> stepped on the floor. They, they did a really good job. Uh, and to build that kind of lead against a, a Missouri team that is just challenged offensively, as we've said all year, that's all they needed to do. Uh, and, you know, it winds up being seven, which just to me is like probably even infuriating for Missouri fans. Cause like it winds up being seven. And yet again, you've got another loss that looks close on paper right if you just do the stats missouri lost by seven to georgia two to south carolina in overtime six at a&m eight at south carolina seven at home against arkansas so it's like this isn't a team that's just getting blown out by everybody even if at times they're they're down double digits in games they're not just getting blown out and that may make it even more frustrating it's like you feel like there's that little bit of hope there at times and yet you just cannot capitalize to find a way to get a win and and I mean, that's kind of where this team is at right now. I mean, Arkansas, how many times have we said this before? A team goes four of six from three in this era. Yeah. How many, how many times have we seen a team only shoot six three pointers in this era of college basketball? I'm sure the stat was thrown out there somewhere on Twitter, but not often is my guess. So, but they get to the free throw line 26 times, they make 21 of them. Uh, and that's a good thing that Arkansas only took six threes. I'm sure that yes. may have been the thing that Eric Musselman was most excited about is that they only took six threes because they're not a great shooting team. Uh, but we've said it, Missouri defensively just – they just didn't have enough on this roster, and it's very clear at this point. Again, we don't know how much Caleb Grill, John Tanjay help, um, you know, in that department all that. We don't know, but they're just not a good defensive team. And that means if you're not a good defensive team, you got to make up for it on offense. And, you know – I just keep going back to it. I know we're far into the season now and, and all that, but it's like they just did not have an answer for how they were going to replace Kobe Brown or Demoy Hodge. And it's just, you know, Tamar Bates has been great. Don't get me wrong. Like he's 29. Like you look down the, the stat line. I mean, this guy has been yeah. rock solid for them. Um, but that's still just not enough on this particular team. Like it's, it's still not enough to get them over the hump. And so, Another, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the Missouri Vandy game in another video, but the importance of that for both teams at this point. But uh, a, a good step for Arkansas. Will they continue to step in that direction? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know how I could be confident about that based on this season. I'm, I'm with you. 
but I'm going to give you devil's advocate here for just a minute of, of maybe why this means something. I did watch a decent amount of that game last night. I mean, we're always watching two at once, and so your attention is divided. It felt like that offense flowed in a way that, that it hasn't in a while. And look, Devo Davis not on the team anymore. This is the second straight game. He hasn't played, so now the reins go to Keon Minifield, who was freshman of the year last year at Washington State in the Pac-12. I felt like he had a pretty good game, and, and sometimes when, when your point guards got it humming, your offense goes there. Look, it, it's a game against Missouri. We don't know, but I'm, I'm giving you reasons maybe why. Emphasis on maybe. But uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of more. You mentioned the three-point thing. I, I think that is playing to an identity that Arkansas needs. Look, you need to be able to hit enough of them to keep defenses honest, but that's just Arkansas is not going to go and shoot 43s and beat much of anybody. And the reason I think that's a little significant, Missouri's not a good defensive team, but what does Missouri do defensively really well, Blake? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they block they shots. To, well, block shots, yeah. And they try to force turnovers too, but they've also blocked shots, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my point being twos are the shots that get blocked, and Arkansas was able to play to a strength that the Missouri, I'll, I'll check Missouri's three point two point defense, and maybe this is where this falls apart. Uh yeah, I mean, even with blocking shots, Missouri's defense is what Missouri's the worst defensive team in the SEC through eight games. So yeah, I mean, I'm, look, I'm, I'm I'm looking for things here. We, we know this team is talented, but I mean, look, bear, bear with me, okay? We we saw Vanderbilt do this last year in a situation which season was dead and buried. And Vanderbilt got beat, what, 60-something points at Alabama, whatever it was, and, and comes back and, and reels off this streak where it ends up winning 11 games in the league. Arkansas is more talented than that team. I, I've said all along, I, I felt like when it when results are so far off expectations with the talent this team has and the experience it has, it's always almost always a chemistry issue. You, you've now got a guy or two out of the equation and, and they play better. Look, this, this may look stupid. If people want to clip it and hold it over my head late, later, fine. We, we just we can't tell the future. We're trying to outline the possibilities. And, and I've, I've been the guy that's been low man on Arkansas for a while. But I can I can see some things that maybe it can build on or, or maybe it won't. I feel like I did all the same things after the Texas A&M game and look what it got me. So I, this feels just, like, this feels like when you're, when you're, you're trying to justify not breaking up with a girl that everybody needs, knows you need to break up with. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, again, I just go back to Missouri. This is just not a good basketball team right now. They're, they're just really struggling. And I mean, I, I, I am going to agree with some of the things you said about Arkansas. Yes, you can see the path forward, perhaps, if if some of these things apply. But I just I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm just not ready to go there because this Missouri team, again, that's just they've been unlucky. Uh, they just are not that good in, in quite a few areas right now. They, they know they've got to get better. But um, it's a road win in the SEC. And isn't it wild to think we talked about three games so far and all the road teams have won? When does that happen? There's no way so far in SEC play in a four-game slate that three games have been won by road team. It's not. This is the first one. I'm willing. I don't even have to fact check it. I, it's got to be the case. So, um, yeah. So we'll we'll see with Arkansas. That's all I'm going to say. I I'm not going to go as far in just yet, but um, we'll we'll see. 
I'm going to take you down a quick rabbit hole, and I think you're going to need more time to think about it. But, and and I'll, I stole this from Gary Parish. I was listening to his national podcast last night, and there's this thing where there's been this rash of unranked teams beating top 10 teams lately uh, in in the building of the, the ranked – or excuse me, the building of the unranked team. And, and he brought up the question, hey, maybe what we're just seeing here – and this, this is not exactly what he said, but I think this is close – is parity. And I really wonder if that's not what we're seeing in the league, Blake. I mean, I think I think you've got 10 to 11 good to respectable basketball teams. you got Missouri and Vandy, and you've got whatever Arkansas decides it's going to become. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, the, there's no – like we said, there, there are obviously some, some challenges, uh, you know, a couple places, but – when you look at the rest of the teams, it's um, it's it's a very interesting state of the league this year because, as we said, every time we make like preseason predictions and projections and everything, we always know it, there's going to be some that are just completely wrong. South Carolina's been the team that has you know been the perfect example of that, but you just don't ever know in this era. I think especially in the transfer portal era, you know, we're it's a guessing game at times on who's going to hit, who's not going to hit. You can say, well, there are certain guys ranked this and this transfer portal ranking and all that, but don't. Let's be honest. At the end of the day, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a thing because the guy could be ranked at the top of this transfer or this may be one of the best transfers out there, but you put him in a system where he doesn't mesh well or vice versa, right? A guy that you just completely are not expecting to be much of someone other than maybe just a role player. And all of a sudden he fits in perfectly with what a team's going to do. Like the Dalton Connect thing, right? How many of us thought Dalton Connect would be what Dalton Connect has, has been? Like, let's not lie to ourselves. There weren't many people out there, if anybody, who thought he could be the best player in the country. And he, he may be at times. And so I just think it's, yeah, it, the state of the SEC is, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. It doesn't feel great for some teams right now that have had some recent success that are struggling. But, man, you look around and it's quite a leak. So. And then we've got that Vandy Auburn game. I tried to tell you. You did. You did. It's just it wasn't. And, and I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to you. I thought you would take the other side of that because Vanderbilt has been very good, as we outline. Can be an 18, 19 point game. They they fight to the end. That they cut it to ten or eleven. It was a blowout, but it didn't show it on the scoreboard. But that is not how it played out. Well, it's just, I think at a certain point, the depth of Auburn is too much. And when they're just running all these guys out there, <laughs> at a certain point, it just, again, it 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 becomes too much. And, like, you can even look at it statistically, right? I've seen some people say, well, how's Auburn that deep? They, they only got a couple guys scoring this, or they got some guys just don't score. It doesn't matter about the scoring no. all the time, man. It's, it's way more. <laughs> like, it's not just who scores. It's all the other things that these guys do. And when you look at how, I mean, they are a team that's 10 deep and they are running out all these different guys, all these different rotations. You got to change matchups. You got to figure out how we're going to guard now because this guy's on the floor. This guy's not on the floor. There are so many things like that, that makes them what they are. And it's like, sure. was Vanderbilt. It's only down 10 and a half, right? You're thinking, okay, all right, like let's, let's do it. But, it's a 40 minute game. And that's the, that is one of the strengths of the sovereign team and has been all year. They're playing a 40 minute game. <laughs> and if they were playing a 20 minute game against most teams, Hey, most teams may have a, a good shot to make things interesting, but 
the reason they've been as dominant as they've been in a lot of these games is because there just are not many teams out there that can sport a 10-man rotation where you have guys who can do a lot of different things. And it it isn't just going to show up in the scoring column um, because they don't have they don't need everybody to just to show up in the scoring column. They got Janai Broom. They got Jalen Williams with a bounce back game for the Monstars fantasy team. That's about all I got to lean on right now. We'll have our <laughs> fantasy update in a second. But Denver Jones, you know, a big game. And I think that the biggest development for Auburn fans here, without a doubt, you hit 10 threes. Like that's a welcome addition to what has been a team that has struggled, uh, as most teams do away from home except for maybe, you know, on this particular game slate, because Florida sure didn't. Yeah. Alabama sure didn't. Um, they said South Carolina didn't. <laughs> Tennessee, it's been a week for road teams, three-pointer-wise. But, yeah, I think that was big, just to be able to to hit some shots, gain some confidence, even though you're playing Vanderbilt. That That's something where you get guys back in a little bit of a rhythm. All right, Jalen Williams goes three of four from three. Denver Jones goes four of eight. Broom hits both of his threes. So you get some guys back in a little bit of a rhythm there, you can use that now moving forward. Big road game on Saturday at Ole Miss. And, you know, for Vanderbilt, how many games are they going to win when Ezra Mignon scores five points? How many games are they going to stay in when he only scores five points? We know the answer to that. And it's just, you know, just, the upside's not there when one of those big two just don't have a great offensive game. They score 54 points against Auburn with Mignon scoring five. They score 55 points at Mississippi State with him scoring three. And what he scored six against Texas Tech, 54 points. So you see the pattern here. Like, yeah. it's a team that's hard to get out of the 50s if Ezra Manyard doesn't have, you know, 20 points. So, yeah, look, th- this was always on the table. If you want to simplify it, it was Auburn in the bounce spot, spot, as you pointed out. And you talked about bench, best bench in the league against the worst bench in the league. Yeah, I mean, depth depth matters. Like, it really does uh, when you get into these SEC games and the grind of the season, uh, even eight games in. You got to have options, knowing that guys are going to get in foul trouble, knowing that some guys may not have a good game. You got to have options. And I I still – that's why I still lean on this Auburn team, why I said it's not time to panic just yet, because I just think that they are still in a really good spot. And, hey, this is – we talk about you know teams and their upcoming schedules. Think about this for Auburn now. Really, I mean, you could almost go to the end of the season for Auburn when you look at their schedule. They they probably have the toughest February third to March the second stretch, maybe of anybody. At Ole Miss, home against Alabama, at Florida, home against South Carolina, home against Kentucky, at Georgia, at Tennessee, home against Mississippi State. Their next month, there are a lot of games in there that could define whether they're the SEC regular season champion or whether all of a sudden Auburn starts sliding down a bit because there's a lot of tough games in there. So, um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, it's a, it's a big slate coming up here for the fighting Bruce Pearls over the next month. Well, to put it another way, that's seven teams in its next eight against teams that I would put in the NCAA tournament field today, I, I think. Haven't done like a full bracketology, but just gut feeling. And one game against Georgia on the road, and we've noted Georgia is a team that has been really, really – I think it's a solid NIT team, and winning on the road in this league is well, was easier this week, but usually not. Well, and Georgia's played 
you know, two of the best teams in the SEC to, to the finish at home in Tennessee and Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, so you would expect the same against Auburn. Um, and so, yeah, it's this is where we find out what Auburn's made of. So all the people out there who I said, I know everybody's got strong opinions on this Auburn team, one way or the other. But we're about to find out because this is a stretch that's either going to make or break you in terms of if you want to be an SEC title contender, if you want to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, something like that. Um, a lot of opportunity in here. And again, for all the people who said Auburn didn't have any opportunities left, here it is. Here's their opportunities right here. It, it's coming up. Uh, they've given a couple away at Alabama and Mississippi State. you got to make up for it. Uh, but man, it's not, it's not going to be easy with a game that, that starts at Ole Miss on Saturday. All right. One, one question on the way out, you know, you know where I'm going with this. I think mm-hmm. they're starting to pick up a little noise about Vanderbilt making a coaching change. Um, Blake and I are both in Nashville. We both have connections to that program. I'm, I'm always skeptical because whatever you think they're going to do, you're, you're using a, a set of glasses that applies to any other power five team in the country. They don't think like that. What do you think ends up happening here? I I think we both know what needs to happen, but what, what needs doesn't always dictate decisions at Vanderbilt. I still wonder if they're going to win a couple games here coming up. I think they will. And all of a sudden, you know, even just a couple starts to change the, 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 it's just, yeah, it's it's something where for people who have followed Vanderbilt basketball for a long time, I think at a certain point, it's just you see what's there. You see what the results are overall, right? You're not just taking one season. And you start to understand that I, I think it's just, you know, when you see what else is happening. And here's the perfect example. Like, to me... This is the perfect season to, to look at it this way. Why can't Vanderbilt do what South Carolina did? Why can't Vanderbilt do what Ole Miss has done? Like teams who just completely Georgia even, right? Think about where Georgia was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And look at where they are now. And I think that's probably the frustration with, with Vanderbilt fans now is, I mean, guys, I don't, We've said it before, and I know we got some South Carolina fans we picked up now from these videos. Whether they, you know, they're trolling us or just happy to you know, hear us <laughs> talk about their, their team, it's fine. We'll take it either way. But I don't, you got to remember how bad South Carolina was last year. Like that was a bad, bad team. They are 18 and three this year. And why is that? Because they went out, they identified the things they had to do roster wise to make sure that they gave themselves the best chance. To, to win basketball games in the SEC. And, you know, like it or not, I, I told you come in the season. I think I said it. Like, I said, could you identify Vanderbilt as a potential sleeper team just based on the trajectory of what they did last year? They made some strides the year before. Yes, sure you could, because they got two of the best players maybe in the league in Manion and Lawrence. But I said the rest of the roster, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to be one that – perfect great great example right here that's going to be able to keep up with an auburn that has the depth that auburn has and you know it's just it's turned out that way where it's just not and so they're going to win some games here they're not going to go over they will win some games down the stretch i don't know how many that's going to be but i do still think they've kept some games close and they'll find a way to win a couple somewhere but i mean i you know i don't think it takes a 
to, to look at this and just see what's where things are right now. And this was a kind of a season that you still haven't made the NCAA tournament in whatever, how many years it's been. And this is year five. I, I felt like after what they did to finish last season, this was the one right where it was, everybody thought if they were going to make that move, if they were going to get back to the NCAA tournament, how could you not do it after a year where you did what you did a season ago and build off of that. And it started from game one. They lose the Presbyterian at home and they've beaten one team inside the top 298 in Ken Palm this season of their five wins. So I just don't think that's what Vanderbilt wow. fans want, but is that what Vanderbilt fans are going to get? That's always been another question. Well, look, a couple things here. That fan base is so starved for anything resembling success that uh you know a, a muddy water well in the desert is enough to get people excited um even if it went well there were always going to be defensive issues there like even if it went well and they stayed healthy it's not and he's just not he is so unorthodox that's the kind word for it and, and how he goes about building a roster and coaching it i go back to the bad girlfriend or boyfriend analogy it's it's like all it takes for Vanderbilt, and you kind of said it, is, hey, I know, I know the relationship's been bad for two months, but, hey, he fixed me dinner last night. We're, we're going to ride with that as our our carrying statement for the relationship, and, and nobody will do that into oblivion to avoid making a coaching change like Vanderbilt. The SEC has never been more committed to basketball. And they've never been less in some ways. Well, well that, that's that's not true. They're building a big facility. They do have some NIL support for the right coach. So, it, I mean, this could go a lot of ways. I guess my, my thing would be, you know, if you look at the full picture and if there were another SEC team that was 5-15 and 15 right now and it had some of the, you know, the struggles that this program's had in recent years. I mean, again, take outside last year, the year before, felt like back-to-back -back years there, they were making progress. We can't deny that. But for it to go back in the opposite direction, I think, again, how many SEC programs would look at this right now and feel like they're where they need to be um, or feel Nobody. optimistic? I, it would be, you know, you couldn't blame anybody for not feeling optimistic just based on the result. So, um, I don't know. Feels like we got one more item of business on the way. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> so, Max – currently leading the way here um although chris may beg to differ based on someone else who drafted who's not on the board but max with 196 through the the midweek games reed shepherd and janai broom i guess uh janai broom with 62 not a bad performance yet again from janai broom uh i think that he's the cheat code if you get first pick, yes yes he's pretty Take much Janai the guy broom. that's going to guarantee your victory and Leave it at that. But Reed Shepard with 54. Antonio Reeves didn't have his usual performances, but Zion Pullen, you mentioned earlier, Tolu didn't give him much. But your team, Mark Sears and Grant Nelson. I know we had people on Twitter saying Thank we God. were we were getting on Chris for taking Grant Nelson. I I was just playing around. But yes, I I, sure I was were. curious if he was the right pick. Uh, turns out he was. Mark Sears 55. Grant Nelson 40. Good good to see someone getting Mark Sears when he's not injured uh, and or have an injury wished upon him by someone else. But 
You're not going to let that go, are you? <laughs> no, never. Matthew Morrell with 23, East with 22, Jonas Adu. Uh, it didn't, didn't have a – the Tennessee guys, this was – not the best week to have the Tennessee guys, at Ooh. least in the midweek. And, of course, I picked two of them. It's a guy, Ziegler, we mentioned that. Um, but Jalen Williams, I told you, bounce-back performance from Jalen Williams. He had that 41 points. I'll take it. But Mr. Reliability, the guy who I've drafted every single week, Trey Mitchell, did not did not give me Mr. Reliability-type stats in that game. So the Monstars got work to do. Max is leading the way. It's a big Saturday. But unfortunately, I think my team's too far behind to catch up. Well, I'm here to inform you we're all getting beaten by a nine-year-old. Well, he drafted a pretty good team in hindsight. He he did, and he did have a little help, but I did not make yeah. any of the selections for him. He he uh, chose them it. on his own. Uh, now, now, one technicality as I look at this, I think he may technically have – one forward and four guards, which the, well, the then rules he's, are. Then he's suspended from the league. We don't. Well, we don't hey, look, the rules for nine-year-olds. He's he's picking. He he does not have a t- a pick inside the top fifteen. So <laughs> sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> wow, the Lee family always making excuses. The Lee family always <laughs> declaring victory after the midweek games. It this man is being a stickler for the rules with a nine-year-old. Who, by the way, yes. this is how I get him out of bed in the morning. I like, play for keeps. Get, get, getting my child out of bed. Like the, the, the bus comes at seven fifty, and like there's mornings I go in there at, at, at seven ten. Hey, buddy, get up. Seven thirty. He's still in bed. I'm like, you little have. We started this contest. We gave him picks, buddy. There, there are sparks flying off the sheets. He gets out of bed so quickly, so he can see what what his guys did the night before. Well, and like you're, you and you're trying to you're trying to rain on his parade and make my life more difficult in the morning. I see what you're doing here. I'd like you to tell your nine year old son the monsters <laughs> are coming for him in his dreams. The monsters will be back on Saturday in that game slate. So you let him know. Trey hey, hats hats off to hats off to Max. Oh, come on, Max got the first pick. Come on, please. Everybody who gets the first well, pick seems to be the winner these days because of the I'll be, And this may, we may have to do some rules changing. I, I'm going to propose a little tweak here that we, we do the selection order that we get to choose our draft slots. So, like, if you choose first, you can either go first and sixth, or you can go on the thir- on the three four turn. Well, that's an easy choice. I mean, that, there's well, no I don't way think I'm turning down the first. I so you're telling me you would give up Janai Broom? I would not under any circumstances right now. Well, I I would have to think about it, but my lean and and if I looked at it harder, I might change my mind because he's been he has been the cheat code. But and and maybe that, but it does get balanced out a little bit by picking sixth uh, in return. That's that's your that's your tax for your your first pick. I thought I thought the pick that I kind of wanted was the one you had picking on the turn. I don't think so. And and, and part and part of that was I'm last. <laughs> well, but here's here's the reason why, and, and this is where you caught a bad break. I, I thought that Trey Mitchell at four was a guy I was sitting on at five if you didn't pick him. And I thought I don't know that there's that much difference between Sears and Connect. And so if I can have one of the two, whichever the other guys don't take, and then take Mitchell, I thought I'd feel good about that. That's what you did. It just hasn't worked out yet. 
<laughs> then I don't care. Maybe it's not working out. Was. All I care about is the results. So forget the process. Forget what it could I'm have been. I'm trying to help you out. I mean, this never no, happens. So. This never happens. I'm trying to give you an excuse. No. no. And you won't take it. I'm not taking the excuse. I want the first picks what I want. So I'll scheme my way into pick number one next week. Don't worry. So anyways. All right. We're still, we're still losing to a nine-year-old, even if it does have an asterisk next to it in the results. So no. tell that, tell that nine-year-old <laughs> that have eyes in the back of his head, the monsters. Your child's getting a lump of coal next Christmas, isn't he? I don't know. Is that how this works? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 14 Southeastern. Just flip it. Set out Southeastern 14 at 14 Southeastern on Twitter. Follow us there. A lot of stuff coming on the Twitter. We'll have our predictions for the games this weekend. We'll see how many we can get wrong just to, to keep you guys entertained. And, uh, yeah, football stuff, some baseball stuff. It's all there, so we appreciate it. All right. Thanks for watching. Well, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, we didn't oh. bring this up earlier. Hold on a second. We didn't bring this up what? earlier. We all picked Kentucky, didn't we? Oh, yeah. The the Southeastern oh, yeah. 14 kiss of death has happened so many times. It just doesn't even register anymore. It's back. Back with a vengeance. Congratulations, Florida. We apologize to Kentucky fans. <laughs> I, I'm going to look. I, here's, here's what it comes down to. I'm going to have to start picking. If you guys pick the same, I'm going to. I just have to pick the other team now. Like, it's just. I'm going to. I, I should have picked Vanderbilt. But that one worked out. But it's just like. You got to pick your spots, I guess. So. I'm, I might or might not bring that up in the next video. Oh, boy. All right. Which you can watch by hitting the subscribe button, which is free. Mm. And we hope you'll do it. Um. Mm. Hope you like it. We we take our basketball seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Hope you don't either. Thanks for watching Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.